It's okay, I'm with y'all. They wouldn't let me move it over because Brock said I had to be by the camera. But so when Reverend Barksdale over here asked me to speak a couple weeks ago, I was praying and I was just like, Lord, what do you want me to speak about? And God told me so clearly, I want you to speak about the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And I'm sure everyone in this room knows this song. If you come to Eagle Heights, you definitely know this song. We play this song all the time. So I have decided to follow Jesus. Today I'm going to be talking about not just saying you're a Christian, but truly following God. You know, I'm sure everyone in this room right now would say, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, but that really is not saying much, honestly. Everyone right now says that they're a Christian. Right now we're, leave, we're living in a culture where it is actually cool to go to church. You know, you see all these people and they're like, their Instagrams are like hipsters and everybody, their first thing is God first, you know, Christian. Everybody's a Christian. And I looked up a statistic and it said that right now, 75% of people in America say that they're Christian. 75 even claim to be Christian. And that is mind-blowing to me. But we're going to look at a couple scriptures. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you all just... The versions aren't right, some of them, but it's okay. Just stay with me. I'll read mine. You read yours. It's okay. So Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, but the highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only few ever find it. And Matthew 7, 21 says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter. So what we've got to realize is not all these people that say that they're Christians are really saved. You know, it's not just about going to church. It's about really having a relationship with him and doing the will of the Father. So today during my message, I really want y'all to examine your hearts and figure out which one you are. Are you just saying, you know, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, but are you really trying to follow Christ? The word Christian means to be Christ-like. It means that you want your life to imitate Christ. How many of you in this room have ever heard Brother Woody preach in your life? Raise your hand. Whether, wow, okay. <laughs> so I'm sure all of you have heard him use this illustration. It's his favorite thing to say. But Brother Woody would always say, you can sit in a garage all day long, but it'll make you a car. You can sit in the oven. It'll make you a biscuit, okay? You can sit in church every single Sunday. That does not make you a Christian. And so you have to decide to follow Jesus. You have to have a personal relationship with him. And nobody on this planet can do that for you. And a true relationship with God is not just, you know, this tragic thing's happening to me in my life, so I'm going to pray about it, I'm going to get with God. No, that's, that's how the world views it. You know, you see lost people, and they'll have a family member that's sick, and all of a sudden, everybody's praying. Everybody's praying to God, but that's not how it works. A true relationship with God is an every day, every hour, every minute thing. And a true relationship with God you know, God, he loves everybody. We all know this. But for a real relationship, that has to be two-sided. You know, you have to love God so much that you say, 
God, my desire of my heart is I want to be pleasing to you. And God, I love you so much that I'm willing to lay down my life for you and follow you no matter what the cost. And Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what is pleasing to him. So my next point is, though none go with me, still I will follow. And you guys have no idea how lucky you are to have Passion Youth Ministry. You have no idea how lucky you are to have godly leaders and people around you that are so like-minded and trying to follow God. And we brag about y'all all the time. Me and Sarah were talking the other day. We're like, we have so many good kids and youth right now. Just genuinely love the Lord and trying to follow after him. But without realizing it, it becomes really easy to follow God because of this. You know, you don't have to stand out too much to follow God because everyone around you is. Everyone around you is saying that they're trying to do right. But I really want you all to think about this, okay? So the other day, I was looking at a picture from my first youth camp. It was like a huge group picture. I was 13, so that was 10 years ago. Guys, I'm getting really old. But um, as I was looking at this picture, I noticed something. And I counted, so this is legit, 50% of the people in that picture stopped following God by the time they got in college or before. So then I was looking at a picture from when Josh's first youth camp. So Josh was 12 when he went to youth camp for the first time. Back then it was 12. And so as I was looking at that picture, and I'm not exaggerating, 90% of the people in that picture are not following God today. And before my dad was a pastor, he was a youth pastor, and... He said that every couple years, it was a new group of kids. You know, these kids get on fire for God, a couple years fall away. New group of kids over and over and over and over. And that's the way youth groups are most of the time is, you know, you're coming because it's fun. You know, you have your friends, you meet new people, you get to come to Passion Youth Camp. But the problem is sometimes it never even had anything to do with Jesus in the first place. And so I looked up a statistic. I love statistics, by the way. And I found that 70% of people who were raised in church leave by the time they're 18 to 23. 70% that have been raised in church from day one. So that article also listed some reasons why they gave that they left. So I'm going to read a couple to y'all. So one of the number one reasons that people gave was, I moved away to college and stopped attending church. And guys, I'm just going to jump into the subject real quick and just jump right back out. But if you are planning on going off to college somewhere, you better make sure that that is 100% what the Lord is telling you to do. And you better get covering from your parents and your pastor. Because the problem is when you move away from your home and your home church, what happens? You lose all accountability. And you get over there and you're just free, and you're like, I can do whatever I want now. I have no authority, no accountability, and some of you in this room are not spiritually mature enough to handle the temptations that come along with that. So if you are planning on going off to college this fall, next fall, whenever it is, I encourage you right now, pray about that. Make sure that's really what the Lord is telling you to do. And also, I'm challenging you Sit down with Pastor Justin, Pastor Josh, Pastor Kevin, and say, look, 
This is what I feel like the Lord's telling me to do, but will you be praying about this with me and get covering? Guys, when you humble yourself and you get covering from your pastors, God will honor that. All right, that's my spiel. Jumping back in. Okay, so other reasons that people gave for leaving church. I simply wanted a break from church. I started a new job and became too busy. I started dating someone that wasn't a Christian. Mmm. Mmm. I could talk about that for a long time, people, but we ain't got the time. Um, Church people are too judgmental and hypocritical. I disagree with the church's political or social views. The only reason I ever went to church in the first place was to please other people. And guys, I am praying that y'all have your roots so deep in Christ and y'all have such a solid foundation that y'all will be the generation to break that statistic. But I want y'all to really think about this. What if in a couple years, every single person that was in Passion Youth right now walked away from God? What if every one of your friends here today walked away from God? Would you still follow God wholeheartedly? Really ask yourself that. Would you still be motivated to follow God? There has got to be something inside of you, inside of me, that says, though none go with me, still I will follow. And Luke 14, 25 through 27 says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, and children, brothers, sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So when the Bible says about hating your father and mother, it's not like, oh, gosh, my mom changed the Wi-Fi passwords. I was playing video games 10 hours a day. Oh, I hate her. No, that's not what the Bible is talking about at all. That is not, that's not a righteous hate. The Bible is saying that when the people in your life that you love the most choose not to follow God, you've got to be willing to leave those people behind and be his disciple. And so I wanted to tell you a story about somebody. While I was going over my message, um, I thought about this. So there's this guy in our church right now. His name is Pradesh, and he was born in Nepal. And so he, when he turned 18, wanted to come to America to go to college. So he was looking at all these bigger colleges and Definitely was not thinking about coming to Haman, but the only place that offered a full ride was Southeastern. Southeastern that year was offering a free scholarship to 250 people from Nepal to get their GPA higher. Because that, that's how it worked. You know, like, we're not very smart, and so we have to get people from other countries to make us seem smart. Y'all, y'all with me? So that's what's, what's happening there. So it's true. Just it's true. But so Pradesh, uh, he comes over. And he said he absolutely hated Haman, despised it. Totally not what he was expecting at all. Like, you know, living the American dream, Haman. You know, it just is like, I don't know. So he gets over here, and he said he never had to drive in Nepal. So he doesn't know how to drive a car, doesn't have a car, doesn't have a license. So he's stuck. He is just stuck on campus. So they have this program where local churches would go and pick people up and bring them to a Bible study, like a multicultural Bible study on Sunday mornings. So he started going to that, 
just, I guess, because he was trying to get off campus. I don't know. And so he started going, and he said that as he was going, um, well, first of all, he said that he had never even hardly heard about Jesus. He said maybe twice in his high school when they were, like, studying religion and stuff. So he didn't know anything about Jesus. Briefly, they had mentioned him in school, but that was it. And he had never even seen a Bible. Let that sink in for a second. Never seen a Bible in his life. So here he is in Hammond going to like these churches to these Bible studies, and he's just, you know, confused. He's searching. And he said the whole time he was going, the Lord just started speaking to his heart. And he said after a few months, he got saved. And once he got saved, he was scared to death to tell his parents because his parents were devout Hindu, and he knew that they would be devastated because in Nepal, be, like everyone is Hindu, Seriously, I looked it up. Y'all, I like statistics, y'all. I already told y'all. It's like 90%, just in case y'all are wondering. And so he said that it's like an honor thing. Like, we're Hindu. Like, it, that's where your pride comes from. Everybody's Hindu. And so he said, finally, wait a couple months, and he finally got the courage enough to call his parents to tell him. And he said, instantly, his mom started bawling, crying, and his dad told him, that's it. You're cut off from the family. We don't want anything to do with you. And so then he said that when his friends that he made when they came over from Nepal together to Southeastern, when they started finding out that he was a Christian, they all stopped talking to him. And so here he is, you know, his family's rejected him, his friends are rejecting him. But, and I'm sure that was devastating to him, but he said it didn't matter because he knew that God was real and he knew that he was going to follow him no matter what. And guys, I want to think, you to think about this right now. What if your family didn't follow God? Would you still follow God? You know, you've grown up in church your entire life. That's all you know. But if your family one day was just like, you know, I'm out, I'm I'm not going to follow God anymore. Would you still do that? And if you're really being honest with yourself this morning, I'm sure there are people in this room that you wouldn't. Even if you've been in church since you were two years old, you would not follow God. And that right there shows you you're not really saved. You don't have a relationship with God. It's just a routine for you, just coming to church. And so you might be thinking like, wow. This girl's a jerk. Like, she's trying to convince me I'm not saved right now. But I love you enough that I want you to realize right now that if you are not really saved, that you have got to surrender your life to God before it is too late. And, you know, while Pradesh was telling me his story, he said something that really stuck out to me because it's a very common misconception. But he said, when I got saved, I thought everything was going to be easy. I thought everything would be great. But nowhere in the Bible does that say that. In fact, it actually says the opposite. In that verse we read earlier, it says, The gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult. And when you take a stand to follow Jesus, you might have to go through some tough seasons. Matthew 5.10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Uh, for theirs is a kingdom of heaven. 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, That is why for Christ's sake I delight in my weaknesses, in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then he is strong. And by the way, 
just give you an update on Pradee. She's doing great. He's a chemical engineer, and he's restored his relationship with his family. And actually, next month, he's going to Nepal to visit his friends and family that he hasn't seen in 10 years. So my next point is the world behind me, the cross before me. In 1 John uh, 5.19 I'm sorry, 519 says, We know that we are under, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And so I like to picture it as like, we're like one of those puppets on the string and like Satan's controlling every move that we make. And Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So when you get saved, you get delivered out of that kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light. And Satan loses control over your life. And Paul says it this way in Galatians 6, 14. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. So even though we're saved, we can still be attracted to the world and still be tempted by the world. And the Bible compares that to adultery. And James 4, 4 says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, I love the way it says this, you make yourself an enemy of God. And some of you might not know what adultery means, but adultery can only be committed when two people are married and they've committed their lives to one another. And one person breaks that commitment and seeks to find fulfillment in something else. And that's the same way with Christianity. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is the bridegroom and we are the bride. So when we get saved, we commit our lives 100% to Jesus. And so when we break that commitment and try to find fulfillment in other things, it breaks God's heart. You know, some of you in this room, your parents might be divorced and you know the pain of that broken relationship. Maybe you're old enough and you've had your heart broken and you know what that feels like. That is what Jesus feels every time we choose the world over him. And Satan is always trying to draw us away from our relationship with God. And so every day it is a battle of if we're going to give in the temptation of the world or not. And so today when I'm talking about like worldly things and choosing the world over God, I'm not even talking about big things that are like, obvious. I want us to think about little everyday things that we choose the world over God. Like for instance, social media. You know, our flesh craves to be entertained by the world. It craves to look at the latest celebrity gossip or what our friends are doing like, oh gosh, can you believe she's wearing that? Can you believe you went there with her? And like you're screenshotting, you're sending it to your friends because you love it. You're entertained by it. Our flesh loves to be entertained by the world. I thought about this the other day. I was thinking about the most popular reality shows, which, by the way, are all super trashy, just in case you are wondering. But they're all trashy. But listen, so when you think about those reality shows, it's literally people watching other people sin as a form of entertainment. And I like to imagine if Jesus was back in human form, okay, he's sitting on the couch, we're watching TV together, would I watch this, okay? So, like, if Jesus was sitting on my couch with me and I'm like, 
scrolling through the channels, like, all right, Jesus, uh, what you want to watch tonight? Oh, Jesus, the Bachelorette comes on at seven. Oh, Jesus, you're going to love it. Jesus, it's about this girl, and she's dating 20 guys at once and committing sexual immorality with them. It's awesome. You're going to love it. You know, Jesus, you wouldn't do that if Jesus was sitting on the couch with you. But we lose sight of the fact that Jesus sees every single thing that we do. He sees what we're watching on TV. And Jesus says in his word that when we become friends with the world, we make ourselves an enemy of God. And I don't know about y'all, but that's a scary thought. Being an enemy of God. I, I, I don't want to be an enemy of God. I don't know about you. But, you know, there's little things. And I, I was on YouTube the other day, and I saw, I was looking at this Christian YouTube thing, and it was like, should Christians watch whatever, the most popular show? Should Christians listen to this? Should Christians whatever? And there's so many things that everybody wants to debate about. Like, oh, is this okay? I don't know. I don't know. Here's my take on it, okay? This is just me. But if something's questionable, just stay away from it. Just stay away from it. That's good. Write that down. That's profound. Stay away from it. Better safe than sorry, right? So Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve of God's will, his good and perfect and pleasing will. So the Bible tells us not to conform to the spirit of the world. And if you are praying and you are reading your Bible and you're seeking God, you know when something's wrong. You know when you get that feeling and the Holy Spirit is telling you, you know, this isn't good. You shouldn't be doing that. And when the Holy Spirit's talking to you, you better listen. And so I was going to use this as an illustration. And some of y'all, y'all might get mad at me about this illustration, but God gave it to me, so you need to just take it up with him, okay? So one day you're at school. All right, and look, I know half of you people in here homeschool. I understand. I was homeschooled. Just stay with me. Pretend we're at school, okay? You can use this illustration for anything. But so you're at school, and everybody is so excited because prom is coming up. And they're telling you, like, oh, three months away, we're going to do this and this and this. And every time someone talks about prom, you get this feeling. You're just like, I don't know. Like, this doesn't feel right. So you're praying about it, and you're seeking God. And God's like, look, that's of the world. I don't, I don't want you in that. And so you're like, okay, God, I'm, I'm not going to go. So here it comes. You're scared to death. you got to tell your friends. And they're like, oh, dude, prom is in two weeks. It's going to be awesome. We're going to rent a party bus. And afterwards, we're going to go to this person's house. It's going to be great. And you're like, look, I'm not going. And they're like, what? What do you mean you're not going? It's prom. What's wrong with you? And you're just like, look, I've been praying about it. And I just feel like the Lord's not wanting me to go. Then your friends all get really mad, and they're like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. They're like, I'm a Christian. I'm going. Are you saying you know more than me? Are you saying you're better than me? And then all your friends are just attacking you, and they're talking about you're in the hallway. You hear them all whispering about you, and you are just so lonely. And John 15, 18 says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. And as it is, you do not belong to the world, but you have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. So you go home, and you're like, wow, this is the worst day of my life. At least I'll just get home. My parents back me up. You get home, and your parents don't even understand. Your mom's like, what? What do you mean you're not going to prom? It's senior year. You have to go to prom. 
and you're not getting the support that you thought you would, but you're just like, you know what? You've got to get to the place where I don't care what anyone in this world thinks about me. I don't care if everyone thinks I'm an idiot for not doing this thing that God told me not to do. But you've got to get to the place where you know that nothing in this world can bring you true happiness, true peace like Jesus. So you don't care what other people think. And no matter how old you get, you're always going to be put in situations like that. You can't just be like, oh, well, I graduated high school, so I'm not going to have to deal with anything. Because sometimes when you get to be an adult, it gets to be worse. And when you take a stand for Jesus, sometimes people aren't going to understand. Sometimes, you know, you might not even have the answers, like, why something's wrong. But you just have a feeling, and you just know the Lord is not wanting me to do that. And people, they're going to think you're crazy sometimes. But that's part of the cross that we carry. And my next point is my cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. So Luke 9.62 says, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of God. And guys, you know, we think we've given up so much for Jesus. We really haven't. You know, um, I was thinking about, like, what if, it's Friday night, and there's a huge group, and maybe they're from church, and they're all going to a movie, and you're like, ah, that movie, there's something in it. I don't want to go see that. I'm staying home. So all your friends, they go see the movie, and you're sitting at home feeling sorry for yourself, and you're like, oh, like, I've given up so much for God. How do I even bear this cross? I don't know. Like, it's just so much. But I want to think about, like, I thought about this. Like, when we're we're in America, okay, and we have no idea what it means to really lay down your life for Christ. You know, I was thinking about people who might have to walk miles to go to church and hiding their faith, and it's like, guys, we don't even know that. We don't know any part of that, and uh, worship team, y'all can go ahead and come up. Y'all can put on a worship set, too. So I want to tell you all the story, and this is a true story, about how the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, was written. So the song was written 200 years ago when a revival broke out in England. And because of this, a lot of people started being missionaries. And so some missionaries went to um, India and went to share the gospel with a tribe of headhunters. And these headhunters, they really didn't, you know, obviously they didn't receive them too well, but they didn't give up because they knew that God had called them to go, so they pressed in and they kept trying to minister to people. And finally, one day, this group, uh, they reached out to a family, and the mom and the dad and the two sons all got saved and gave their life to Christ. And so the man that got saved, he started trying to share the gospel with other people in the village. And when the tribal chief heard about this, he was furious. And he called for that family to be brought to the center of the village. And the man... The tribal chief looked at the man and he said, renounce Jesus as your savior. Renounce Jesus right now or I'm going to kill your sons. And so the man looked at his sons that he loved so much, but he knew that he could never renounce Jesus. So he looked at the chief and he said, 
I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Instantly, they said the archers pulled back their arrows and shot the two sons. So the chief said, I'm going to give you one more chance to renounce Christ. And if not, I'm going to kill your wife. And the man looked at his wife that he loved so much. And he looked at his two sons lying on the ground. But he said, I cannot renounce Jesus. So he looked at the chief and he said, though none go with me, still I will follow. And instantly the archers pulled back their arrows and they killed his wife. So the chief said, that's it. This is your last chance. If you don't renounce Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to kill you. And so the man looked at his wife and he looked at his sons and realizing that he had lost everything in this world that he cared about, he looked up at heaven and he said, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. And so the archers pulled back the arrows and they killed the man. After this, the chief stood there in disbelief at what had just happened. He looked at the man's family lying on the ground. And he said, for them to be willing to lay down their life for this man, he must be real. So instantly the chief started crying out to God and he gave his life to the Lord. And after that, every single person in that village got saved. And so every time I hear that story, it just stirs up so much faith in my heart. And I'm just like, God, help me, Lord. I'm willing, God, I believe everything in my heart that I'm willing to lay down my life for you right now. But, Lord, don't let me be deceived. God, don't let me be deceived. Let that really be my heart. And, guys, that's what I really want to talk to you all about today is just being deceived, thinking that you're really following God and you're not. You know, when I was preparing my message, the Lord gave me such a burden on my heart for not only people that have never received Jesus. You know, I'm sure there are people in here today that you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. But really, the Lord was telling me there are people in this room that they have gone to church their entire life, and they're not even saved. They don't even realize that they're just coming to church with their family. They're coming to church with their friends, but they don't even have a true relationship with me. And maybe you do have a true relationship with God, but you need to go to the next level of God. I'm leaving this stuff behind. I'm leaving all of this behind because my eyes are on the cross, and that is all that really matters. And so I want us all to sing this song. We're going to sing, I've Decided to Follow Jesus. And I want everyone that if that is your cry today, I want you to come to the front and we're going to sing this as a declaration to Jesus that, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. No matter what happens, God, no matter if my family rejects me, no matter if my friends reject me, no matter if one day, you know, it might be illegal to go to church. I'm not trying to scare y'all, but that is a very real possibility one day in the future. You have got to have something inside of you that I am going to follow Jesus no matter what. So right now, y'all can go ahead and stand, and we're going to sing this song to Jesus with everything in us. And y'all come to the front if that is your desire today.